Well, hey, what's up? Welcome to MyFi. Got a special episode for you today. Uh, kind of a kind of a bonus episode, but it's special for two reasons. And the first of which I want to talk about right now, because today, August first, uh, the day that we're dropping this episode, uh, we're also doing a giveaway with our friends over at Walrus Audio. Walrus Audio makes guitar pedals. They're incredible. I use a ton of them. Uh, and I think that they're just fantastic. We're doing a little giveaway with them. You can go over to their Instagram page. It's at Walrus Audio Effects. Uh, effects with an E, if you need to know that. Uh, at Walrus Audio Effects. The original post is over there. Uh, you need to follow MyFi on Instagram, follow Walrus on Instagram, and comment on that original post tagging two friends. And then we're going to we're gonna randomly draw from the comments in the post and, uh, and give away uh, the lore. It's their new um, uh, reverse ambient generator pedal. So if you're into that sort of thing, it's like a reverse delay reverb sort of thing. It's it's really awesome. Uh, go check it out on their website, just uh, walrusaudio.com. Go check it out. Um, and, and if you're interested in that, follow my five, follow Walrus, go find that post. I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, and you can, um, enter the giveaway. We're going to run it till August 10th and we're going to announce the, uh, the, uh, winner of the lore pedal from Walrus Audio, uh, on an episode that we will have, uh, Colt Westbrook and Jason Stoltz from Walrus on the show. So it's going to be super fun. They're super funny, super amazing guys who work with a lot of great musicians. They've made a lot of incredible pedals uh, that a lot of people you know and love uh, use, maybe some of your favorite bands. So go check that out. Don't forget about the giveaway. Uh, And today is a bonus episode with Just Yours Truly. And I want to talk in depth about my 10 favorite albums of all time. So let's get into it. All right. Yes, man. I just love uh, talking music and I'm glad you're here to talk it with me. I got a cup of coffee I'm sipping. I love coffee. I hope you do too. A couple episodes ago in the show opening, I talked about one of my top 10 favorite albums of all time. Now, I'm not saying these are the best albums. Let's be clear. Uh, Because I think that that has a lot of criteria around it. And I think my top 10, what I think are the best albums of all time would be a different list. These are my favorite. They're the records I can't get enough of. They're the records that I listen to a lot. Um, I have a playlist actually that I'll link in the show notes as well on Apple music, which is my streaming service poison of choice. And I will link that up so you can check it out. But I have a playlist with all of these records in it. And if you're into that, you can you can click that in the uh, show notes and go check it out. But what I want to do is just talk through from 10 to 1. I did put them in order, but I'm not super committed to this order. Okay, I'm just, I'm putting that out there because I think it's rotated. And I messed around with this for, for months. You know, when you have a little, I don't, I don't know, this is what I do in my free time, mess with my playlists. You know what I'm saying? Um, some people are flipping through social media and I'm, I'm kind of, okay, I'm flipping through social media too, but I'm also like messing with playlists. So give me a break. Okay. Uh, let's jump into it though. I'm going to, I'm going to go 10 to one. Okay. And, and when I get to one, I'll tell you this one has been, number one has been my favorite album of all time for years and years and years and years. It's never changed. So number one holds the number one spot. And, uh, and so you'll see it when we get there. Um, if you're watching on the video podcast on Spotify or YouTube, I'm going to pull up LPs and 
and uh, kind of talk about this because if they're my favorite records, you know, you know, I got to have them on vinyl. You know what I'm saying? Um, so let's get started. Number 10. Talked about this one a couple of weeks ago, and that's what kind of started this idea in my mind to do this little uh, kind of bonus episode here. But I hold in my hands a copy of my my number ten favorite album of all time. It is called Ghost in the Machine by the Police. Uh, it's an incredible album. This copy that I have of it uh, is a, a half speed master um, from Abbey Road, and it sounds amazing. Um, this record, like the reason that it connected with me and, you know, I could give you all the info about these records. Like it came out in this year and it was produced by so-and-so that's cool. But this, this episode's more about, um, the, the stories of how I got connected to this. And and what I hope is that you'll remember some records maybe that you got connected to too, and go back and listen to those and they'll make you smile and inspire you. So, um, ghost in the machine, the police, it's an incredible album. Funny enough, um, my wife and I, uh, both when we were dating worked at the gap, the clothing store. Um, maybe you have one of those where you are. Um, but it's like, anyway, we, we both worked there and for whatever reason, the gap had a, a women's t-shirt that was the cover of ghost in the machine. And my wife just thought it looked cool and she bought it. And, and I always thought it was cool when she wore it. Um, even though she doesn't even know who, uh, you know, made that record. Uh, but I thought it was cool that she had the shirt. Um, Years before that, I had heard a band do a cover, uh, a band called Black Eyed Siva. They were this real underground band, like indie thing. And uh, they covered this on a record. And I heard the cover and I was like, man, that's a great song. And I thought it was their song. Um, but I found out it was a cover. The song's called Invisible Sun. And it is the third track on this. So the track listing on this spirits in the material world, which is a big hit for the police. Every little thing she does is magic. Also a big hit for the police. And then invisible sun, uh, hungry for you and demolition man are also on that side of the album. Um, and, but the two hits, the first two tunes, you know, those, those were big ones, spirits in the material world and every little thing she does is magic. Invisible sun's the third track. And when I found out the police did it, I went and listened to their version and it was fan stinking tastic. And obviously the original, the originals are usually the best. We can do a bonus episode uh, sometime. Maybe we should that we talk about uh, cover songs that are better than the originals. Uh, we we should do that. That that would be super fun. But I I love this album. You should go listen to it if you can get it on vinyl, which I think it's pretty common to find. I have an original copy of it as well, um, like an OG from from the eighties. I can't even remember when this came out. I want to say it was like eighty three. Um, but I'm totally making that up. Um, uh, I should have looked at that before. Um, and I don't think it's covered up by this, uh, half speed master, uh, sticker thing that they put on it. So I can't see the original year, but, um, I'll put some more information about it and I'll link it up in Apple music too. So you can go, go listen to that one, uh, as well. So let's, uh, let's move on. going to grab, uh, my number nine record. Number nine on the list is what's the story morning glory. <laughs> what's the story morning glory. There, I got it out. Uh, by Oasis. Uh, you know songs off this, even if you don't know this band, which I don't know how you don't know this band or this record, uh, but you know songs off this. Um, this is the Champagne Supernova. This is uh, Wonderwall. You know, everybody, everybody has got their Wonderwall jokes. Uh, don't Look Back in Anger is one of my favorite tracks on this album. Though I had a friend of mine, his name's Mike, 
and Mike and I, uh, our senior year of high school, went with some people down to Gulf Shores, Alabama for a little little uh, vacation. And Mike had just gotten this on CD, and we listened to this thing nonstop. Uh, so my memories of that, you know, are, are pretty vivid. And I don't know if you have one of those like summer records, you know, back when you were in high school, college, it kind of stick with you, but I'm thankful that it was that record. Cause this is such a, uh, a well written album roll with. It's a great song. Wonderwall is a great song. Don't look back in anger is a great song. Um, but I'll tell you my favorite two songs on the record are she's electric and morning glory. The, the, title track, if you, if you will. Um, both of those are just really cool. She's electric is very Beatles vibe. Uh, and it's kind of a unknown, I wouldn't say unknown, but it's a, it's a lesser talked about track, you know, on this, on this album, uh, because the hits were champagne and Wonderwall and even don't look back in anger were, were, were hits, you know, from this. And so, uh, she's electric's great, got a cool Beatles vibe to it. And morning glory is like a dark rager rocker, man. It's just really, really cool. So if you've never checked this album out, go check it out. Um, I'm not even sure that I would say this is Oasis. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably say it's their best record. Definitely. Maybe is a great album too, but this is definitely, this is probably their best record and definitely my favorite. Um, so if you've never heard, uh, what's the story morning glory by Oasis, you, you should go listen to the whole album and especially listen to she's electric and, uh, morning glory. They're back to back later on the album. Um, I heard a story one time that during the making of this album, they were working on, I want to say it was Champagne Supernova. And they worked out the tune and Noel showed Liam the lyrics and he looked at them and then they left and went to lunch and they came back and he like one took the whole vocal in like one take with no sheet. Like he like looked at it once and somehow sort of like memorized the lyrics. I don't know. It's, it's mythical rock and roll folklore, you know, sort of thing. So anyway, hope you enjoyed that little tidbit. That was uh, number nine. Uh, what's the story morning glory by Oasis. Let's talk about number eight. On the list, number eight, Octung Baby by U2. Um, now, U2 gets a, a bad rap sometimes. I'm, I mean, I have a lot of friends that are big U2 fans. I, I know them. I've, I've seen U2 twice. Uh, never seen The Police, never seen Oasis. I, I need to talk about my live experiences with these bands too. Never seen those two bands. Seen U2 twice, saw them once at Madison Square Garden, actually, which was just crazy. It was in uh, 2005, so that was the Vertigo tour, I think. And then I saw him recently here in Atlanta. Well, I say recently. It was like 2017, I think. But anyway, uh, Octung is my favorite. Like the Joshua Tree is their like seminal. And I would say that it's the best record. It's like the big one. It's like the one everybody talks about. It's their it's their, their thing. Uh, and it's a great album. Rattling Home is a great album. Uh, Unforgettable Fire, All That You Can't Leave Behind. I, I think that they've made some just stellar albums, but... There was something about Octung Baby that was like a little edgier and more rock and roll. And my favorite U2 song um, uh, of all time is on this album, too. It's Until the End of the World. And I just love that tune. The guitars in that tune are awesome. And it's super energe- energetic, not too long. It's it's like a rock song. And I think that U2 writes more rock songs than they get credit for. Uh, you know, it feels like they write poppy tunes and ballad tunes, maybe rock tunes. But I mean, when I say rock, I mean like a rager, 
you know, and until the end of the world is that, I mean, it's, it's aggressive and fun and I don't know. I just dig that song, but, but this song, this record had some huge hits on it. Even better than the real thing was huge. One, one was a massive song for them. Uh, who's going to ride your wild horses is on this. Another MTV hit, uh, mysterious ways. She moves in mysterious ways. Great great song, huge hit. Uh, and then like some, some B sides that people talk about a lot with this album, like Acrobat and Love is Blindness and, um, trying to throw your arms around the world, the fly that Bono had like, um, based a character on, uh, for the pop tour. And I mean, just super cool. And the artwork is cool to this album. It was like all these random crazy pictures. Um, yeah. If you've never listened to this album, like I had a friend over, a while back and I threw this record on and, and every time a song would come up, they would go, Oh man, I didn't know that song. Oh man, I didn't know that song was on this record. I didn't know that song was on this record. You know, it's just like one, one great song after another. And this came out, um, man, I want to say, it doesn't say the original copyright on this press I have right here. I don't ha- I don't have an OG of this in vinyl. They're really expensive. Uh, man, early nineties, obviously early to mid nineties, this record was what they were riding on. And, um, it was great. You should go listen to it. Start at the beginning. Zoo station's awesome. Listen all the way through Uh killer album. Uh, have a lot of memories attached to this one. Uh, all right. Next on the list. Next up number seven. Somehow it's, I mean, not somehow it's connected to you two in a way, but this is Marky moon by the band television. You may not have heard of this one, actually. Um, and honestly, this this record has been as high as probably number two or even number one, maybe not number one, but it's been as high as number two uh, on my top favorite, you know, 10 albums of all time. I heard an interview with The Edge, actually, the guitarist from U2, and he was, they were asking him about albums that had influenced him, like his top you know, 10, top five, whatever albums that influenced you. And he mentioned this, and this was years and years ago, like late nineties. I think I heard this interview somewhere and he mentioned this. So I went and found a CD of it and listened to it and was just captivated later up. I, I got it on vinyl. I actually have a book about the recording of just this album. Um, there's this great series of books called 33 and a third. Um, like, like the record RPM, you know what I'm saying? 33 and a third. And they just do, they make books on individual albums. And I I would say there's probably over a hundred, uh, that they've done. And I have one, they're like behind me over right there. If you're watching on video, there's a stack of three books right there. And I have a, uh, a few of them, but Marky Moon is, is, uh, one of them. And there's some incredible stories. Apparently television was the first band ever to play CBGBs. Um, and they lied about their genre, uh, because CBGB in New York, uh, the, the super famous club was supposed to be country blues and bluegrass, you know, kind of a thing, uh, or country bluegrass and blues. Um, and they lied and they played, you know, indie rock. This was New York, early eighties, late seventies kind of rock, you know, the New York dolls scene and the Lou Reed stuff and all that was around at the time. And that's kind of what television came up under, but they, their guitar work was just super cool. And I latched onto this. I'd never really heard guitars intertwine in this way before. And so I thought it was really cool. Their songwriting is really amazing. Um, they did a couple other records, but they just didn't land like this. And the more I talked to like, 
uh, musicians who were uh, growing up in the late 70s, early 80s, they were super affected by this album. Apparently it was really influential. I don't think there was a hit. I don't think it was that kind of thing. I don't think, you know, that television was like a band that was on the radio, you know, or anything like that. Um, but it influenced a lot of people. And so if you never heard this, if, if that early eighties rock, New York rock scene is your thing. And even if it's not go give this record a chance, because it, it really stuck with me for some reason. There's only eight tunes on here. Uh, see no evils, a great song. Frictions, a great song. The title track, Marky moons, great tune. Um, you should, you should definitely go check it out. Um, Andy Johns produced this album. Andy Johns had worked with the stones and the Beatles and like all kinds of people. I mean, he was, incredible his son ethan johns produced records recently as you know in in the uh 2000s and 2010 2010 era you know he worked with um ray lamontane and ryan adams and uh the first couple of kings of leon records where andy john's son ethan was producing on those and so anyway i mean he did great work on this album too so so go check it out it's uh pretty pretty stellar uh, really, really love this album. Television, Marky Moon. Go check it out. All right, next up. Next up is In Rainbows by Radiohead. Okay, let me defend my choice here because my I'm always going to have a Radiohead album in my top 10 because they're one of my top three, maybe five, but maybe three bands of all time. I think that, uh, sorry, I'm sipping my coffee. Um, I think that this record is one of the more consumable Radiohead albums, meaning the songs are a little more traditionally formed, uh, rather than, you know, I would say like Kid A, which is sometimes my favorite Radiohead album, or OK Computer, which is sometimes my favorite Radiohead album, or Amnesiac, which is also sometimes my favorite radio. It fluctuates. And honestly, I almost picked Hail to the Thief, uh, which came out in like, oh, three, I think, for this, because Hail to the Thief is always in my one or two. Uh, and it's not even one I think that people mention a lot, but that record's really great. But I want to talk about In Rainbows. And Rainbows came came out in 07, I believe. Yes, and it had been since 03's Hail to the Thief. I think I'm getting that right. And I don't know, man. Hail to the Thief is a great album for some reason. Uh, there, Well, There There was a hit on um, Hail to the Thief. But for some reason, that wasn't a big record for them. And they were coming off of the Kid A amnesiac thing, which was like massive, those two albums back to back. And so I think people just kind of ignored Hail to the Thief, maybe, potentially. And anyway, and Rainbows came out, and I think that there was time from Kid A and Amnesiac in like 2000, 2001-ish, where there was like a whole, like, now there's it's 2007, Hail to the Thief was a little ignored. And this record just started connecting with a whole new group of people, fans. And man, I, I feel like it was a new type of um, recording for them, maybe. Songwriting, the way they tracked it. I, I don't know. But the songs are, I mean, it's just one after another. I, I couldn't even name you my favorite song on the album. Um, they had taken what they had learned, I think, from the electronic explorations of the Kid A amnesiac era. and the songwriting that shifted a little bit with hail to the thief and they put together what i think is a great like alternative rock alternative pop album 
I mean, I think it's so consumable. These these songs could have been on the radio, like the songs from the bins, like, you know, uh, in earlier albums, you know, like uh, the Pablo Honey stuff and, you know, the, the MTV hits and all that that radio had early on. But like uh, Creep and um, um, Karma Police and, you know, songs like that. I, but I think these were like, so uniquely produced and this record anytime i can throw this on i have to be in a mood for hail of the thief maybe you have records like that like you love them but you gotta be in a mood you know for something like that so i don't know if that's you i don't have to be in a mood for in rainbows it's like uh just a any mood kind of record and i really love that about it uh love how the organic instruments and electronic instruments kind of work together in it and I don't know man I think it was a big turning point and I think it introduced Radiohead to a ton of new fans um I was uh, in a band at this this when this record came out it was really influential for us and um uh, I was actually a co-owner of a little independent record label and man this this record uh when they released it was the one that you could pay what you wanted for it it was like a pay what you pay zero you can pay 50 bucks you can pay whatever you want for it and i think that really really changed the music industry too and i just remembered that especially because we were you know um working at the record label and stuff at the time and so anyway uh big big record for me you should go go listen to that if you're not a radiohead fan and you're like oh that band's weird or you know i've heard people talk about them but i don't like them this is a great record to go listen to just throw it on listen to the first two or three songs i think you'll enjoy it I think you'll get hooked. And if you can listen to In Rainbows, um, I, I think of Radiohead like sushi a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like not not everybody jumps into the sashimi sort of thing. People kind of, you know, get a California roll. This is the like the California roll of Radiohead albums. Like you can you can try it out. That's a good thing to try first. You know what I'm saying? And then you maybe get into some richer, uh, um, you know, uh, different different kinds, more unique uh, albums of theirs like Kid A and Amnesiac and and uh, OK Computer and stuff like that. So, Radiohead and Rainbows. Next on the list, this is Pearl Jam versus. All right, I don't think I have to defend this. Um, I think this is on a lot of lists. It's number number five on our countdown by the way so we're like halfway done yeah i don't think i have to defend this um but a lot of people say pearl jam 10 because it was their first album and it was groundbreaking it was amazing 10's an awesome record some people would say vitology was their great greatest album um i don't know I, i i feel like everybody has a little bit of a different opinion on it but for me um Versus was really great. I I got a copy of 10 on cassette for my 13th birthday. My friend Chris gave it to me. Yes, I actually remember that. He actually gave me Pearl Jam 10 and Aerosmith Pump on cassette tapes for my birthday. So shout out, Chris. You're the man. Um, I listened to 10 and I thought it was awesome. I think if I remember this right, my brother and I, my older brother and I were uh, home for Christmas. I mean, obviously all of us were were uh, uh, I say at home, we had gone to my grandparents' house. We were in like middle school and high school. I don't know why I said home, but the whole family was there. Like my, my aunt and uncle and their, you know, our cousins and their kids and, and um, everybody was there. Well, we got some Christmas money and we went shopping after Christmas. There was a little cassette store. This was still cassette time. Cause I think this record was 93. Yeah. 93. And we went to a cassette shop. I don't remember what my older brother bought 
but I bought Pearl Jam Versus and I put it in and the first track is Go and it just starts with these drums and I'm like, oh man, this is going to be a great record. It was like uh, like riding your favorite roller coaster and you're like going up the tracks, you know, and you just know this is about to be amazing. That's the way I felt listening to Versus. This record has some of the best melodic hooks on it, like daughter and glorified G and dissident um, man rat. The baseline on the song rats is so good. Rearview mirrors, an incredible rock song, elderly woman behind the counter in a small town, long title. Great song. I think they still do that live a lot. And Brendan O'Brien produced this record. Brendan O'Brien was just, if you look up his discography, it'll blow your mind. I mean, from, the Killers Battleborn record to the Stone Temple Pilots stuff to this Pearl Jam stuff. I mean, I, I couldn't even get into it. But Brendan O'Brien is amazing. If you see his name on the back of a record, that record's good. Uh, so that was uh, another hook. I think this record just sounded great. I didn't know enough back back then when I was, you know, in 93 or whatever it was when I bought this album. I didn't know enough to know that it sounded good, you know, and why. Um, but I just knew it sounded good. It was awesome. The drums come in and then when animal starts the second song and then, you know, he's doing the one, two, three, four, five against one. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is just, Oh, I feel like I'm in like a fight or something. It was just awesome. I thought it was just great. Uh, you should listen to this record. Sometimes people skip it, skip over it. I, I can't see how, but every once in a while I've had a conversation with somebody and they're like, yeah, Pearl Jam 10. Yeah. Vitology. Yeah. And I'm like, well, verses, what about verses? They were like, what record is that? I'm like, the one with the, the sheep on the front of it. You never listen to that one? Yeah. Um, it's a very 90s cover. Um, you should look it up if you're just listening to this. But um, yeah, incredible, incredible, incredible album. Uh, I'm probably going to throw this on when I'm done. Uh, that is number five on the list. So let's move on to number four. Here we go. Number four. And I've got a confession to make about this in a second. This is Disintegration by The Cure. The Cure are awesome. And Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me is also a great album of theirs. And I love The Cure. Disintegration is my favorite Cure album. It's always been my favorite Cure album. I think it's the best Cure album. Uh, Last episode, I was talking to Kimmy Shelter from Starbenders, and I called this album Disambiguation. I have no idea why I said that. I think that she said something that made me think of the band Under Oath. Uh, if you know who they are, they're like a like a metal band, hardcore metal. I don't know what you would call it. Um, but they're a great band. But they had a record entitled that. And I don't know why. And then she said something that made me think of The Cure. And I like crossed wires. And I was really embarrassed that I said it. And I was hoping nobody was going to catch it. But I did apologize in the show notes for being an idiot. Because this is one of my favorite records of all time. Disintegration uh, by The Cure. So. On, let me see what side this is. It is side B of the first LP. So this is like a two LP reissue um, that I have. This is a reissue from 2010. Um, On side B, you get Love Song, maybe the biggest Cure song ever. Love Song and Friday I'm in Love are probably the two biggest Cure songs ever. Um, Love Song, you get, this is all on one side of the first LP, Love Song, Last Dance, Lullaby, and Fascination Street. And y'all, Fascination Street is in my top 20 favorite songs of all time. You know what? I'm going to link that playlist because I have a playlist of my top 20 
favorite songs of all time. Now, right now there's 21 songs in it. So I just, I couldn't get rid of another one, but I'm still calling it 20. Maybe I'll delete one before I, I don't know. No, I'm going to leave it. Uh, but I'll post that link in there and fascination street is in there. It'll always be in there. I love that song. The baseline that starts that song is just amazing. And I love how the cure like always draws out intros with so much tension. Like, I don't know how long that song is. Let's say it's five minutes. I think the intro is like two and a half. It's crazy, but it just draws you in and it's, uh, it's just amazing. Uh, you should go listen to this. I don't know. I haven't met a lot of people that are like really into this record. I have a couple friends, um, who are into the cure and they're into this record, but most people who I meet are just like fans of music. Don't listen to the cure much. And they are phenomenal. And they're, they're super important to the landscape of music. You know, they've been inducted in the rock and roll hall of fame. They're, they're amazing. They're, they're going on uh, a European tour this fall. They have a new record coming out this fall. It's, it's, I just really like them. I just really like the cure. It's sad music. You listen to when you're sad. Cause you want to listen to sad music when you're sad, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, it's a great, great, great album. Start at Love Song and listen to Love Song, Last Dance, Lullaby, Fascination Street. You'll be hooked. Go back to the beginning of the record and just listen to it all the way through. Because Plain Song and Pictures of You, awesome song. Awesome Cure song. Great, uh, I would say, hit uh, for them. So Disintegration, The Cure, it's number four on my list. Uh, let's move on. Number three. Number three. The classic, Appetite for Destruction, Guns N' Roses, the Guns N' Roses. You know, I said this, I think, at the end of the last show, but I don't think we've had an episode, actually. Man, maybe, but I think that's, I think Appetite for Destruction has been mentioned in every episode we've done. It was one of those records when it came along, I think it was 87... Let's see if it says the original year on the back of my repress. I do not have an OG of this either because those suckers are pricey too. Um, I think it was 87 because this is, yeah, yeah, it's got to be because this is the 30, I just saw them announce the 35th uh, anniversary of this album. So it was uh, 87 and hit after hit after hit. This record was cool because it sat like, I heard a theory recently about where this thing sits in the timeline. So a lot of people say that grunge killed hair metal. Y'all know I love hair metal. I got my t-shirt on right now from the stadium tour. Just saw Def Leppard and Motley and um, Poison and Joan Jett a couple months ago. So I got my t-shirt on. I love hair metal. I don't, I don't think grunge killed hair metal. I heard a theory once that I, I kind of agree with that Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction actually killed hair metal because Guns N' Roses wasn't hair metal. It was like modern classic rock, if that makes sense. It was just riff. It was dangerous. It was angry. It it had some of the anger and, and riffage of grunge. And the subject matter was about more than partying and love songs and stuff like hair metal kind of kind of was um you know in in its subject and its theme so guns and roses was just a little more aggressive and they were singing about things that were more serious and i think it was a bridge in 
to grunge maybe, but I, I, I don't know. Guns N' Roses, like I'm looking at the back of this record and you know, they got long hair and stuff, but they're in like jeans and leather jackets and boots. That wasn't like hair metal was like, man, it was like, you know, they dressed up like superheroes, like in the coolest way, you know, and everything. Uh, but it, it wasn't as down to earth, I think as, as uh, Guns N' Roses was. And so when this record came along and they dropped Welcome to the Jungle, you know, Axel's a little glammed up in that video, but they went Welcome to the Jungle. You got Paradise City on this record. You got Sweet Child of Mine on this record. You got Night Train, Out to Get Me, Mr. Brownstone, It's So Easy, all these songs. Uh, I mean, uh, they just featured, I think there were two or three gun songs in the newest Thor Love and Thunder, the Thor Love and Thunder movie, the newest Thor movie. Uh, man, I, I just, it's one of those records that you can't overstate how important it was in music history, in the canon of pop rock music. The cover is really cool. Um, the I got this, actually. I got, the my first copy of this was a cassette tape and my parents gave it to me. Um, can't remember when, but I got it and another album I'm about to mention the same day. And I think I spent some birthday money on, cause I was in like fourth grade, I think when this record came out and I bought this and another album I'm about to mention next, uh, on the same day. And that's funny. I hadn't thought about that before, but I bought this on cassette and the next album on cassette same day. And my mom saw the inside of this album, which I'm not going to show on the video, uh, cause it's pretty racy, but, um, uh, and it was actually the cover and it got banned. Um, but the, I got this on a cassette tape and then my mom saw the inside of it. She took it away from me. So I didn't get to listen to it very long. Well, my brother had a copy and he would let me listen to it in his, in his, uh, Bronco when we went riding places and, and that was pretty cool. And then I, you know, I watched the hits on MTV and all that stuff. And I remember learning the riff to sweet child and it was, it was just great. Uh, I still like just love playing these riffs on this record. If you haven't heard this in a really long time, you should go listen. Man, it was a, a groundbreaking record for rock music. It's just one of those that turned the corner for better or for worse. It turned the corner and as wild and volatile as Guns N' Roses always uh, have been, um, they, they made magic on this one for sure. And uh, it'll, it'll always go down in history as, as a really important record for, for rock music. So if you hadn't listened, I'm sure you've heard these songs before who hasn't heard sweet child of mine or welcome to the jungle. If you've been to a sporting event in the last 35 years, you've heard welcome to the jungle, you know? So uh, go listen to it though. It's a great record. I forget how great this, this record really was. So crank it up, check it out. Let's move on. Number two. And I mentioned that I bought this record uh, the same day that I bought Appetite for Destruction on cassette tape. I was in fourth grade. I think I had some birthday money. This is uh, Hysteria, Def Leppard. Now, now hold on. Um, so I get uh, hair metal gets a bad rap, but I have listened extensively to podcasts and watched documentaries about this album. And I, I really think it's one of the greatest albums of all time. I think because it's like hair metal, it gets a little overlooked maybe. And I, I don't even know that I would put, I guess, I guess you have to put Def Leppard in hair metal, but their music, they're just so professional. I just saw them a couple months ago, like I mentioned, and they're just, so, they're pros. They're like, they're rock, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're rock and roll, but they're just pros. They're great players. They're great songwriters. Um, Mutt Lang had done the Pyromania record and he did this one. And this one took a long time. They spent a ton of money on it. 
but it's sold millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of copies. And they just had hit after hit after hit on this album. Um, Rocket was a big MTV hit. Animal was the first single and a hit for them in the UK. And later, I think it charted in the States, but uh, Love Bites was a huge hit. Pour Some Sugar On Me was massive. Obviously, you know that song. Armageddon It was a huge hit. I remember that video on MTV. Um, Women Opens the Record, which was also a single in, uh, in the UK, I think, only. And it did okay. But then you get Rocket, Animal, Love Bites, Pour Some Sugar On Me, and Armageddon It all in a row on this record. All of those record, all of those songs eventually or or immediately charted in the top forty in the states. Uh, on the backside of the record, you get "Gods of War," which is an amazing song, one of my favorite Def Leppard riffs of all time. Um, "Hysteria," which was also a top forty hit. So you get one, two, three, four, five, six songs that charted in the top forty on record. Now you can fact check me on that. Maybe only five of them made the top forty. But all of those songs, I know all of them charted in the top 100, not without a doubt. Okay. Um, incredible record. There's all these like, you know, mythical folk tales of this record and how they recorded it and all that sort of stuff. But one of my favorite stories about this album was they were done with the record and they had written so many songs that the band was kind of upset with Mutt Lang at the time. They just wanted to be done with the album. And one of the guys, maybe it was Joel Elliott, the the singer, uh, started messing around with a little riff and Mutt heard it and was like, what's that? And they ended up writing Pour Some Sugar on Me in like 20 minutes. And, you know, the rest is history because that was, I think that was the biggest song on this record. And man, this, I remember the video of Rocket when I was a kid, cause they sing about all these other bands in that and they're showing stuff on the screen with all these other music videos. And it, rocket was a song that was like a homage to the bands that had influenced them, you know, growing up, uh, animals got a great chorus. Armageddon, it was a live video. Um, uh, like a live concert video that was really good. I just have such vivid memories of this album. And again, my mom didn't take this one away from me, even though the cover is a little crazy. It's not like, it's just, it's just cool and crazy. So she didn't take this one away from me. She took appetite, but she didn't take this one. So I spent extra time with this record, I think. So, so thanks mom. Thanks for that. Because if you hadn't taken away appetite, I don't think I would have grown in my love for this record as much. And I, and I really, really love it. Um, if you never heard it or you just know, pour some sugar on me, you really should go listen top to bottom to this. Cause it's really, it stands the test of time. I think it's been remastered and re-released on like an anniversary recently. I can't remember what it was, but I just ordered a two LP. This is an original copy. Um, I, uh, this one was 87, I think as well. Yes. 87. Um, and I just, I, this is an OG. I don't. I don't really like to play my original copies a lot, and so I, I ordered a, a two LP repress of it. So I'm excited to see how that sounds because it, it's the remastered version. And what's available on like Spotify and Apple Music and all that is also the remastered. They may still, you know, I didn't look, but they you may could still listen to the original version in like ABM. But I'm excited to listen to the the remastered version. I hope to hope to get that in real soon. Uh, number two. Def Leppard Hysteria. And now, for my favorite album of all time. This hasn't changed in a really long time. Um, I'm not even sure that I would say that this is their best album. 
But for some reason, I just love listening to this record. And when I don't, I don't know if you you ever get in the car. I'm sure you do because I think everybody does. You get in the car and you don't know what to put on. Like you want to listen to some music, but you're like, ah, you're flipping. I don't know what playlist record I want to put on, whatever. Um, I just throw this on if I don't know. And this album is Sticky Fingers by the Rolling Stones. Now, if you know me, I'm a Keith Richards dude. I love Keith Richards. I have a couple Keith Richards shirts. I love the Stones. I have all Keith's solo albums. I just think that he's like rock and roll personified. And I think that the riffs that he wrote are underrated. People give him grief because he's kind of a sloppy player. But I think that's part of his charm. He's just kind of a sloppy player. And I think that 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 draws me in for some reason. It's just his attitude. It's not his articulation on the guitar. It's not his precision. It's not his technique. It's just, it's just, I believe it. You know what I'm saying? And this record, um, just has some incredible, incredible tunes on it. This version, I have, I have a few copies of this album actually, because I don't want to listen. I have an OG. If, if you know much about this, the cover is like, mixed jeans and there's like a zip you see a zipper on the front of his jeans um the original pressings had working zippers on them and they they found out they were scratching in shipping and so they recalled them the ones that hadn't been sold yet and so you can find them. they're not crazy expensive i think they're like 60 70 bucks or something maybe even cheaper you can get them but a friend of mine adam he he bought me a original zipper a uh, copy when he was on vacation in New York one time. And so I don't, I don't listen to that one. This is from a box set, uh, this pressing that I have right here and it's great. It's a remaster. Yes. Yes. It's a remaster. And then I also have a press from 1986. It was not a remaster, but I do listen to that one sometimes because it's just kind of got a different vibe than this remaster. But the songs on this, it opens with Brown Sugar, a huge Rolling Stones song. Sway, also a great song. Wild Horses, a huge hit for them. When they did the film Shine a Light with Martin Scorsese, he recorded a Rolling Stones concert at the Beacon Theater in New York City. I don't remember what year that was, but it was like, I don't know, 08, 09, I think. I don't know, somewhere around there. But um, they did Wild Horses with Jack White, and it was just fantastic. Um, I think that, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. Jack White did Loving Cup with them. Uh, I'm sorry. Eh, I messed that up. Jack White did Loving Cup with them. Um, Can't You Hear Me Knocking? huge probably it's that song's in my top 20 songs in the playlist i was talking about i'll put in the show notes can't you hear me knocking the riff from can't you hear me knocking this is one of the records there was like three four records in a row that keith tuned to open g and basically wrote all the songs with this keith richards like open g tuning with no sixth string no big e string on the guitar and you just you can't play those riffs without that. So I have a Telecaster that just has five strings and it's tuned to open G all the time so I can play Stones and Black Crows covers and stuff. But um, incredible, incredible records. Sister Morphine, Dead Flowers. Um, I Got the Blues is an incredible song. Um, oh, gosh, just so good. All the riffs. You Gotta Move, the Fred McDowell cover that's on this record is just so good. And I know, like, there are people who just think the Rolling Stones are just completely overrated and, you know, all this. But I'll tell you, you know, in a time when they launched, there was nobody doing it. 
you know what I'm saying? Like it was like the stones and the Beatles and you were a fan of, of one of those bands, but you, you know, a lot of people weren't fans of both. And I think the stone, the Beatles were, you can't, you can't deny they're amazing. I love the Beatles. I have all their stuff on vinyl too. Like love the Beatles, but I've always been a stones guy. I think exile may be their best record of all time. Um, but I learned the riff to can't you hear me knocking? And I learned the riff to, um, Oh man, Brown Sugar. Sorry. First song on the record. Learn the riff to Brown Sugar. They're just great riffs. And I attached to this record early on. It was this record and Tattoo You were the ones because I learned Start Me Up too and guitar lessons when I was a kid. And just I was attached. It was it was great. And so anyway, uh go check it out. Go listen. If you if you don't know the Rolling Stones, go listen to Sticky Fingers. I think it's a great place to start. It's it's really fun. You probably know some of the songs. Um, they've been in a lot of films like Brown Sugar has been in a lot of films. Can't you hear me knocking has been in a lot of films, stuff like that. But Exile on Main Street's a great album. Beggar's Banquet is a great album. Um, they, they have tons of great, great records. Steel Wheels is a like great record. I mean, they, they just have, they have tons of great albums, so you should go listen to them. So let me run these down one more time for you. If you missed them, I'm going to put them in the show notes, but 10, 10 to one counting down the police ghost in the machine oasis. What's the story? Morning glory. You two octung baby. Television, Marquee Moon, Radiohead and Rainbows, Pearl Jam versus The Cure, Disintegration, Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction, Def Leppard, Hysteria, and The Stones, Sticky Fingers. You should go listen to all those records. Those are my 10 favorite albums of all time. I have had an absolute blast uh, sharing these with you. And yeah, drop some comments, you know, if you're watching on YouTube, let's, let's, chat about it. Uh, you know, I'm going to post a, a few little things on social media. Let's talk. I want to hear what your favorite records are and all that sort of stuff. We have some great, uh, things coming up uh, that I want to talk about here in just a second, but thanks so much for checking out the show today. Um, follow us on social media at my podcast everywhere, TikTok, all that sort of stuff. Make sure it's subscribe rate and review on Apple podcasts or Google or Stitcher, wherever you listen, but definitely on Apple podcasts and, and subscribe, subscribe on YouTube, follow the channel there. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. This has been killer. Um, we got some great guests coming up. We got the giveaway going on with Walrus Audio. Uh, don't miss out on that. Go check out their Instagram at Walrus Audio Effects on Instagram. Find that original post. They're they're going to pin it on their account, and you should be able to find it real easy and enter that contest. All the all the rules and stuff are, are in the description there on that original post on Walrus Audio's Instagram. Uh, I'll repost it on the MyFi Instagram and connect you over to that over the course of the next ten days or so as this uh, giveaway is running from August. 1st, August 10th. And then we're going to announce the winner on an episode with Colt and Jason from Walrus Audio talking about the music that's influenced and inspired them as they've been musicians and now uh, owners and engineers and and the guys who run Walrus Audio, one of the most successful uh, guitar effects companies in the world. So looking forward to that. Keep up with everything we got going on on social media. Thanks so much for listening. You guys have a great one. Peace.